Good morning. I didn't give them much time. That was a sh- that's a short, short video. Hey, you're doing a good job, Josh. <laughs> All right. Well, we're glad you're here. If you're in Kidmo, you can head on back to Kidmo. And uh, it's good to be with you. I'm glad that all of you chose to be here. It is a beautiful day, and I know we probably all like to be outside right now, but uh, we're glad that uh, you chose to spend the time with us. And uh, just thanks to all our worship leaders. Uh, aren't they great? And every week, just uh, such a blessing. I wish I could play. I, I see them play, and I, you know, for, for me, they look, it looks so effortless. I know they're concentrating hard, but just really appreciate them sharing their gift with us. I know even if the sermon is going to be terrible, and I'm not saying it's going to be, but even if it is, we always know that worship's going to be amazing. So we're so appreciative of all of them and all that they do. Uh, do get involved in these events coming up in the coming weeks. It's, we, this is a busy time of year for, for every church, and um, I just want you to know the significance of the opportunities we have uh, not only do we get to have Easter egg hunts for our kids, which, you know, we don't do Easter egg hunts so your kids can have more candy. We know they're going to have more than enough candy. Uh, we do it so we can build relationships with our community. And the, the Room in the Inn Easter egg hunt, I can't tell you how huge that is. Room in the Inn is, one of, is a very well-supported ministry in town by many, many, many churches. And there are not many churches that have the opportunity to have the kind of uh, impact there that they've given us to go and to have people from our church to go to minister to them personally. It's a very anonymous ministry, but to, for us to be able to go do this, much less this is the third time we've done it, uh, it just speaks to the uh, the leadership here. It speaks to Kathleen, who has really gotten us involved there, her relationship and her heart with them, and also just every time you've gone, you don't get invited back if you don't take those opportunities and, and, and do well with those. So uh, if you want to get involved, be sure and sign up. Those are wonderful opportunities to reach out. And there's a chance that uh, uh, one of the local schools right around the corner here is going to hand out our, our egg hunt flyers to every child in the school. And that's going to be incredible because I don't know what we'll do with them all, but we're going to do something. So that's going to be a fun thing. We really need your help in that. And I really can't wait um, for us to see all that happening. All right. So it all happens in, in the next uh, few weeks. Okay, we're going to close out on the Bible today. Uh, We might talk about the Bible at some point in another sermon somewhere down the road. But on our specific series talking about the Bible, this is where we're going to kind of wrap it up. As I've told you, one of our goals over the next year, and really longer, it's going to take longer than that, is for us to be founded in the things that we believe. To know what we believe, why we believe it, and be able to say where we go to find proof for that. Now, we started with a few weeks ago, God is, talking about who God is, and I told you that we would be following up with this short series on the Bible because uh, it's it's kind of the chicken and the egg, which comes first. Do you talk about God who inspired all this, or do we talk about the Bible who gives us so much information about who God is and how he has worked? And uh, so you really could start with either one, but we started with God because God is the beginning and end of all things, and God is the one who not only created but invited us to be a part of this relationship. Now, this series about the Bible is crucial, and I'm going to tell you it's crucial if you're going to be a follower of Jesus. In today's time, if you do not grasp what we're talking about, you will not grow in your faith, period. Now, you can come to church and have fun, and you can feel good at different times, and you can get encouragement from other people, but I'm telling you, if you don't get this part of it, you will not grow in your faith. 
And so it's crucial for us to understand what the, the Bible is, why it is important, and how we get stuff out of it. Now, what we have discovered so far is that God has chosen not only to reveal himself, but the evidence for the way that he reveals himself is absolutely trustworthy. The evidence is overwhelming that the Bible is trustworthy. I'm going to throw this next graphic up on the screen again. We've done it for the last two weeks. I want to do it again because, again, this is so huge. It shows the hypocrisy of the culture in which you and I live. No one in any history book anywhere would doubt that Julius Caesar lived, and yet we have 10 authentic manuscripts pointing that he ever existed. Plato, we have only seven. Pliny, only seven. Aristotle, 49. You can look at the numbers yourself. But when you get down to the New Testament, over five, almost 6,000 documents pointing to an authentic history. It overwhelms any other historical event or person ever. And yet there's so many people who doubt that it's true, think it's just been made up. It's just incredible, the evidence that says the Bible is true. If you're a follower of Jesus and you follow the teachings of Scripture, you know it's true because you know when you follow the things that the Bible says and it tells you what will happen if you do, those things do happen. It's incredible, the prophets of old. Do you know what one of the tests for the prophets of old and the trustworthiness of the history as it is reported? If you wanted to set yourself apart as a prophet, which meant you would foretell the future. Now, there's a gift of prophecy. If you've been through spiritual gifts with us, you, you know there's a gift of prophecy. It's a little bit different. The gift of prophecy is foretelling, the need to tell truth. But being a prophet in the Old Testament meant that you would foretell what was coming. And it was very easy to determine if you were a reliable prophet or not, right? Did it come true? And the consequences at that time, if you said you were a prophet, you foretold the future and it didn't come through, you were killed. So there weren't a lot of people lining up to say, hey, I'll be a prophet. I mean, I can make stuff up too. People didn't line up to do that because they were literally killed if the, the prophecies didn't come true. We know the Bible is trustworthy. We know that it can be trusted. Now, what we talked about last week are are some of the basics of a, a biblical theology, and that is the idea that God has chosen to reveal himself to us. He didn't have to. Not only did God create all of this, God did not have to reveal himself to us, but he did. If you remember, we talked about two primary ways that we see that God has revealed himself. Number one is what's been termed as general revelation. That is that God reveals himself through creation. We can look around at the beauty of creation. We can see the complexity of what has been created. And we can see that there is a God who exists. And there are many cultures, even before they are ever exposed to the gospel, they have somewhere in their culture a deity because they know there has to be a God based on the creation. Next, we looked at the reality that there is a specific or a special revelation. And that special revelation is where God has given us more of the specifics of who he is. And so as we look through that, we know that God has revealed himself through his word so that we can know not only who he was, but how we can know him and what he wants from us and for us. So God has revealed all of that to us. Now, here is where if you love Scripture, you begin to incorporate it into your life because you know this is what God has said to us. 
Now, for a lot of cultural Christians who go to church, but the Bible is really not that important to them, they are very easily able to just say, you know, that's great, I really ought to do that, but, you know, I just don't really have the time or I don't really have the desire. If God has truly revealed himself and we truly want to know that God, why would we ever not have time for his word? The Bible is the indicator in which you and I believe the things we say we believe. And yet as we look at what's happening at the church around our nation and around the world, we find that in many places, Bible readership, much less acting on it, Bible readership is down incredibly. The number of people that even will take the time to attend church regularly, very few are actually reading what God has revealed about himself to us. It's crucial that if we're going to grow in our faith, that we understand what we believe and that God has chosen to reveal himself to us. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about today. I've got a few things I want to talk to you about today, but, but that's all great. And, you know, it's a little bit academic to talk about general and special revelation. But the question always comes up for us, well, what about me in my situation right now? What about my question I have for God? What about what I need from God? Okay, I can read through the Bible and try to figure out what God would want me to do. But what if I want to go to God? Because here's the incredible thing about people, whether they read the Bible or not, we all go to him and ask him for specifics about what's going on in our life right now. We all do it. Now, sometimes we're more urgent than others. Someone's health is in danger. We've got a choice we need to make, and the choice is actually going to lead to some really drastic choices and so, or, or consequences. And so we want to know, well, God, I don't really know which one I should go with. Where should I go? And we go to him with these questions and these needs. Or maybe it's a time of hurt or pain. We're struggling with something, and we just want to know, God, what am I supposed to, to do with that? So what I want to talk to you about today is, well, how do you hear from God about what's going on in your life right now? And for some of you, you know, you're formula people. I'm a formula person. If there's a formula that there is out there, I want it. I want to know if A plus B equals C and C is what I want. I want to know what A is. I want to know what B is. I'm going to add them together because I want C. I I love formulas. Unfortunately, formulas don't work in many places in life. And so what I'm going to share with you is not so much about a formula as it is about a mindset and an ability to hear the voice of God. Because I believe that today, if you want to hear the voice of God, He is speaking, if we will listen. But how does God reveal Himself to us personally? There's a few things that I want to share with you and. And at the very beginning in all of this, and you'll notice that I come back to this so consistently and so constantly, is if we are going to know God personally, God speaks through a humble heart. God speaks through a humble heart. Now, there are lots of other things we can start with here, but I'm going to just tell you from my own personal experience, not always the most humble person you'll ever know, that I never hear from God whenever I want everything on my terms. God doesn't speak when I expect him to be on my terms. And unfortunately, for many who say, I have prayed about this, and God has not spoken to me, many times that is because we went to God and expected him to be on our terms. I'm going to give you this amount of time to speak to me. I'm going to give you this 
uh, option. You can answer option A, God, or you can answer option B. If you have any other options, those are not what I'm interested in. You've got A or B. Which should I choose? We always have to approach God through a humble heart. And the reason that's important is because we cannot approach God at all without humility. It's impossible. Whenever we approach God from any posture other than humility, we approach him believing we are either equal or better than God. And that doesn't work out well. So it always is through a humble heart. We read in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, it said that Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things, these things that he's revealing. You have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Now, does this mean, if we're going to take it literally, that we ought to have a child up here preaching? Is this a literal expression that God only speaks to children, and once you get to be an adult, you're, you're kind of cut off? It's, if you remember, do you remember a movie series back in, I guess it was the 90s, I can't even remember the name of it, where these babies, you know, were, took on adult characteristics? Do you, does anybody remember that movie? Baby Gen- was that Baby Geniuses? Is that what it was? I don't remember. It was the freakiest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. They became like some kind of spies or superheroes, right? Yeah. It was a terrible, terrible movie. Now, do we look at that and say that God, what God truly wants is he wants just a little child. And then once in this movie, once you reach a certain age, you kind of lose the ability to communicate, you know, in this baby language and you just kind of age out. I don't know. You just decay, I guess. But instead, what he's saying here is those that approach him like a child versus those who approach him like an equal. Those are the ones that God speaks to. So humility is the baseline bottom line for how we approach God. You can't know God. You can't even want salvation until you have approached him with a humble heart. Amazingly, that's not just a requirement for us to be saved from hell. It is a requirement to see and hear God, to approach him with a humble heart. A second way that we have to do that is that you will recognize truth through your previous study of God's word. Now, I don't want to name any names, but I don't think Deidre's in the room, right? Okay. Um, Let's just keep this conversation between us. But I don't want to name any names, but in our house, there are times that Deidre says she has told me something that I just flat don't believe her. And she will ask me a question that requires some kind of fourth knowledge of this event that we're supposed to be a part of that I swear she has never told me anything to which she vehemently denies the fact that she has not told me. All right. I know that only happens in our household, doesn't happen in any of yours. Okay. You usually go something like this. I'm busy doing something crucial for the kingdom and for the world at large, like flipping through the television channels. And she decides she's going to impart to me some crucial information about what the next two weeks of our lives are going to like look like. And I do what every good husband does. I keep focusing on what I want to watch, and I give her little things that allow her to believe she's told me something, and I've accepted it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, sounds good. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, are you still talking? You know, I don't really say that. I don't say that because it doesn't end well for me when I do that. 
And yet, I could get away with that until the event time comes. Hey, now you are taking care of this, right? What? What are you talking about? I told you about this. No, I don't know. You've never said anything. You know, it's amazing how many times we go to God and we expect him to give us an answer about something he's already told us, but we weren't willing to listen to it the first time. It's amazing how many times that happens in our lives, right? If you want to hear from God about what's going on in your life, and I know you do, I know there are times that for some of you it's more urgent right now than it is for others. God, I don't know what to do here. God, I feel like things are falling apart. God, I have to make a choice. Time is running out. God, I made a choice and I have totally screwed everything up. Now what do I do? There are so many urgent questions we go to God. But many times you will recognize truth through your previous study of God's word. Assuming, that is, that there is previous study of God's word. It's crucial. In John chapter 7, we read in verses 17 and 18. It says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Oftentimes, God speaks by what he has already told us so that we will know what God wants to happen. Many times. See, this is one of the crucial disciplines of being a follower of Jesus is to know what he has said. Many times we want God to say something special to us, but yet we haven't taken the time to see what he has said to everyone. Now, I know that not everyone in here has, is independently wealthy and you have all the time in the world to sit around and eat grapes and read your Bible all day long. If you are one of those people, let's hang out. But, uh, you know, I don't know how many of those there really are. It's not so much have you spent every waking hour reading God's word as much as the heart in which we want to know what God has said already. Do I really want to know what God has already said or is it a waste of my time? You see, when we look out at something, we should be able to judge the truth of something based on what we already know. That's one of the ways that God continues to speak and the way that God continues to reveal to us. Number three, another way that God speaks is you need to understand that God will speak to those who will do what God says is best. He will speak to those who do what God has already revealed to be best. We read that in James chapter 1, verse 22, very popular uh, verse. Many of you read this and, and maybe one of your favorite verses, I don't know. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. He looks at himself, he goes away, and then he forgets what he was like. See, whenever we hear God's word and what he wants to say to us, God expects us to act on that. But those who want to hear but not act are the people that do not understand what their identity truly is. And so they look in the mirror and I don't, I've forgotten what I look like. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have a, 
more optimistic idea of what you look like than what you really do. Many of us have a more optimistic idea of how others see us than how they actually do. You know, you see those posts where your profile picture that you took 16 hours and five camera angles and a whole bunch of extra lighting to look perfect, and then your friend snapped a quick shot of you, and then you don't even recognize yourself. I often think I look better than I do. It's not really what we're talking about here. That's just illusion. (laughs) But what we're talking about here is identity. The identity to say what God has said and revealed, I want. What God has said is best. That's what I want for me. I want that to be a part of me. It's like the person who doesn't know who they are. As a follower of Jesus, we have to know who we are. You will do what God has revealed as best. Another way that God speaks is whenever you have done these things. You have approached him with a humble heart. You have read and studied to know what he has said before. You have wanted to follow the teachings that he has given. It is something that's a part of who you are and your identity, but yet you still struggle. And God knew you were still going to struggle in those times to sometimes apply what he has said to what's going on. And he has given you an answer for that and said, I will reveal to you what you need if you will ask for me to. We sometimes have to just ask for him to. If we look up in James chapter 1, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. God desires for you to hear his voice. Now, what's so crazy about this is there is an increasing voice out there saying that God no longer speaks. You don't have to search hard to find that. God no longer speaks. He doesn't speak to me. There are people who give up on faith. They give up on the church. They give up on God because they believe God is not speaking to me in the way I want him to. We see it constantly happening. Why is it, if God is continually speaking, that there are so many that continually refuse to believe that he does? And I will tell you that, again, it is that identity. To want to know what God has said. To know what is true. There's so many examples right now in popular culture of of a people that talk about knowing Christ, but yet their lives do not in any way reflect it. One thing I've never done, and I'm going to bring this up, and I've never talked about politics in church before in the 25 years of ministry, and I'm not about to tell you who to vote for. You can vote for whoever you want to. If you don't tell me who to vote for, I won't tell you who to vote for. But I will tell you this, that there has never been, in my recollection, an election cycle in which God has been invoked by so many men who refuse to demonstrate the characteristics of God in their campaigning. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Now, this is where knowing God's word is crucial for you and I in moving forward in a culture that is honestly an incredible amount of decay right now. There are so many people that today will go out and talk about knowing God simply because they want to be identified with a group of people to serve their own purposes, and yet their lives themselves will not reflect that reality. 
Now, it's true, and some of you are already thinking, you should not judge whether a person is a believer or not. And I 100% agree with you, but if you've been with us for a little while, you know that what we also believe and what we also find over and over in Scripture is if a person says they're a follower of Jesus, it is up to those who know his word to say and stand up and say this is a false representation of the gospel. That is our responsibility. At the, you'll see over and over again the warning that true teachers and lovers of God's word will stand up and speak out against those who are wolves in sheep's clothing. That is part of our role in this world, and it's not a popular one, and nobody really likes it. Nobody likes to hear it. Nobody likes to speak it. And we look at what's happening, and if you want to vote for any candidate, you know, you can vote wherever you want to. But I'm going to tell you something. If you're voting for a man who says that he is a strong Christian and yet he does not have to ask forgiveness, then you're voting for a man who says he's a Christian who does not know the gospel. Now, if you think Donald Trump can make better financial decisions, he can have better policy decisions, and he will make a better president, vote for him. And maybe he will. But for a man who stands there and says that he is a strong Christian, he's being honored by the IRS because he's a strong Christian, and yet he says, I do not have to ask God to forgive me. There is not a single believer on the face of the planet that believes that. Because you cannot take your first step of faith until you come to the place to recognize, I am a sinner and I need to be forgiven. can't say it. You cannot say it. Similarly, if you're going to say the Bible is my favorite book, it is the most important book to my life. I've never known a person who loves scripture and when asked on a public place platform to say what your favorite verse is to say, I'm sorry, that's just too personal for me to share. It doesn't happen. You don't go to a Christian campus and say and quote scripture and misquote scripture and not be able to say the book of the Bible that you're saying and love the Bible. It doesn't happen. Let me ask you, if you have children and you love your children, the most important thing in your life, do you mispronounce their names? You do not. You may call them the family pet. It does happen in our house at time, from time to time, but you'll at least get it right. All right? Because sometimes we've got to go through the list. You know how it's like, some of you. Okay? You don't do that. Now... I'm not going to tell you whether he make a good president or not. I'm just going to tell you that he is not telling the truth about his faith. That's just the bottom line. It's the way it is. Now, I'm also going to tell you that there are three other men in this same race who are putting God as a reason we should vote for them, and their, their behavior does not even match what I want my children to do whenever they're in middle school. Now, why am I giving him a hard time? Who am I to do that? Do you know how qualified I am to be president? Less than the most unqualified person you can think of. That's how qualified I am. I mean, I can give opinions. But I'm not qualified for that. Why am I bringing this up? I, you know, it's not up to me to determine whether Donald Trump is going to heaven or not. It's not up to me to determine if any politician is going to heaven or not. Because I'm not their judge. God is their judge. However... When they stand in a public platform and their lives and the things that they speak do not back up the teachings of Scripture, they are turning a whole lot of people who don't know Christ away from the gospel because they know that's not true. And yet they stand saying, this is what it means to be a Christian. We have to know what God's Word says. We have to go farther than that. It has to be a part of the lives in which we live. 
And I think what's the, the problem for many of us is we really struggle with the idea that there are two worlds that are happening simultaneously right now. And it, it is the world that exists on this earth and it is the kingdom that God says is ours for one day when we leave this place. As a Christian, if we read through Scripture, we realize that God's kingdom is not of this world. When Jesus was questioned and said, are you the king of the Jews? He said, hey, my kingdom is not of this world. And yet, if you'll ask anybody who's watching, because I'm, I mean, I'm glued to political stuff. You ask my kids, it's, like, it's on, you know, the radio's on some news station all the time. Dad, can we please turn it? I mean, that is a common thing. I'm glued to it. We have to recognize that if you're going to follow the principles of the Bible, the world is not going to reward you. I'm going to tell you that that's not more evident in any place right now that in public culture in the United States than the, the election right now. I didn't vote for Ben Carson, but I believe he is a man of faith. Every pundit will tell you the reason that the top-tier candidates are slinging mud and talking about people wetting their pants and how big their hands are and all that stuff who are saying, I'm a strong believer in Jesus. They're doing that because that's the only way they're going to get votes. If you're a follower of Jesus, you recognize there are times that I'm going to have to make choices to follow the teachings of Jesus that are going to make me unpopular in the world. That's not the only reason I don't think Ben Carson's not going to be elected. I, I didn't vote for him. But I do believe he's a man of faith, and because of the principles in which he held, he refused to go there, and he was not rewarded for it. You're going to find that happens. You may not be in the political scene. I don't want to go into politics. But you're going to find it will happen at work and it will happen with your friends and it will happen with your neighbors too. That there are times that you will follow the teachings of Jesus and we will say, God, speak to me. And he will say, I will speak. But you will be punished by a culture that you want to fit in with. See, God speaking to us personally goes far beyond just what we say and what we say is important to us. It goes down into our hearts of who we truly are. Now, again, if you want to vote for Donald Trump, I, that's fine. I, you know, you're not a bad person if you're voting for B- Donald Trump. Just don't vote for him because you think he's a Christian. Vote for him for other reasons. If you love Scripture, when someone says they're a Christian, match up against Scripture whether what they say is true. Now, while this is easy for me to point out, and that's just a, an easy target to hit right now, the truth is, is that every single one of us has to come to the place where we give that same self-assessment to ourselves. Am I following God's word? Am I exhibiting the characteristics that Jesus says I'm supposed to exhibit? What are my motivations? What are my goals? It always comes back to that first one thing I shared with you is that it all begins with a humble heart. It always comes with us bowing at our knees to God to say, God, you have chosen to reveal yourself, and I am thankful that you have chosen to reveal yourself to me. I will, in humility, accept what you have said. And for many of us, what we want is we want this to be easy, right? We want God just to answer and show up and to fix things. We want God just to take care of this problem. Some of you have been asking about my mom and dad. You know, over the last year, we, my mom and dad have both suffered, struggled through a lot of health issues, a lot of serious health issues. And so at those times, I'm certainly going to God saying, God, you know, heal them. God, do something. Fix this. 
I have friends whose lives are falling apart, and I say, God, please fix this. And sometimes God doesn't fix them. Sometimes God chooses to take another path to remind us that this is not our world anymore. And when he speaks, it's up to us whether we are going to listen. God speaks to us in many times when we don't know what to say. He wants us to ask him for wisdom. Proverbs 14, 6 says this. A mocker seeks wisdom and never finds it. Knowledge comes easily to those with understanding. The difference between a mocker and those who approach it with understanding is a difference in humility and the willingness to accept that knowledge. Now, when I was a kid, my parents tried to impart lots of knowledge in my life, and I rejected a bunch of it. I know I'm the only one. You all were a lot better kids than I was. That's right. I heard somebody say, that's right. That's right. I I didn't know you grew up with me, but you know it's true. (laughs) There we do that with God. There are times he reveals things to us, and it is unpalatable to us because we are still in this world. And yet he speaks to us. Are we willing to accept it? Are we willing to accept it? Let me move on. Another way that God speaks. And this is very frustrating for me. It's very frustrating for many of you. He often speaks to us through our circumstances. The reason this is frustrating is because we don't want God to speak through our circumstances. We see our circumstances. We come up with resolutions to our circumstances. We want God to do that resolution to the circumstance, not create circumstances in which to speak to us because those are out of our control. You know, you and I want to be in control of our lives. It's just, it's just a natural thing. I, I feel better when I'm in control of something than when I'm not in control of something. In fact, I really don't like to be out of control, so to speak. You know, one of the you know, artistic ways of making movies and music videos and things is to do these incredibly abstract scenes where you really don't know what's going on. And, you know, you, I just kinda, my eyes just kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger because I can't process this. This is out of control. We want to be in control of our lives. I want to be able to look at what's coming down the path, and I want to see the clear choices. I want to see the clear consequences or rewards, and I want to be able to choose accordingly. That's often not how God works. Did you know that the very circumstance you're asking God to remove may be something that he wants to be there for you right now? Because God wants you to grow and learn and hear and see him. And so there are times that we have to get ourselves out of the way. And God has chosen certain circumstances to make that happen. James 1, 2. Count it joy when you meet trials of various kinds. We bring this up so consistently because of the desire for us to be able to very easily accept what God says. God, if he's at work, is going to make life so easy and comfortable. We want to believe that's true. It's just not held out in Scripture that that's true. For you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. What God is saying is your steadfastness is more important than your comfort. 
Let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God wants you to be perfect and complete. He wants you to be whole. He wants your faith to grow more than he wants you to be without concern. So maybe the circumstance you're asking God to remove you from, God has chosen it for it to be there because he wants to teach you something through it. Maybe that's what God wants to happen. There are so many times that I just I feel terrible about the way a circumstance has come about. Either I've made a poor choice or something's not gone the way I wanted it to go, and I just feel terrible about it. I, some of you internalize stuff too. And I can't tell you time after time again what I have learned after years of reflection that that's the way God wanted it to work out. And it threw me for a loop. But that was what God wanted, and ultimately what happened because of that was better than if what I had hoped had happened had been truly what did happen. Many times God puts us in those positions because God is doing something that you and I would never orchestrate on our own. Faith allows us to rest and say, God, I, you are in control. And I will follow you to the best of my ability and let you determine what happens. You know, a lot of our stress would be relieved. A lot of our anxieties would be relieved if we were truly able to rest in God's control and what's going on. So it's real easy. I've already told you I'm a a politic fanatic when it comes to election time. And it's real easy for me to get really discouraged really quick. I can have anxiety built up thinking about what's life going to be like, what's life going to be like for businesses, what's life going to be like for families, what's life going to be like for my kids, what's life going to be like for the church. I can get real anxious. And God reminds me, well, it's a good thing that I'm in control and not you and not them. There are times that God allows things to happen that are very painful, but he has a greater purpose for that. A lot of that stress and anxiety, it can just go away when we rest and say, God, I'm going to trust you. And they'll let you do this. There are many times that God speaks to us through our circumstances. This is what I want to leave you with as we close out these series. Those are all, I think, crucial things. You'll find that there's not a formula, and there's not one that you can say, well, I did pretty good on two, but you know, one, four, not so hot on, or five, you know, I really need to work on. I mean, that's not the kind of the way it works. What it demonstrates instead is what happens whenever our mindset and our hearts change. But here's what I want to leave you with when it comes to the Bible. You know, you can walk out of a sermon like this feeling a great amount of guilt if you're not reading several chapters in your Bible a day. That is not the point of this sermon, and that is not the way that you're necessarily going to grow. Somewhere down the road, someone's preached a sermon saying, you ought to read your Bible all the way through every single year of your life, and you'll start a Bible reading plan, and you'll get into, you know, day two and fall off the wagon, and all of a sudden, you feel like a terrible Christian. I'll never catch up. I can't, do, I can't read the Bible. I'm a terrible Christian. And there's all kinds of ways that guilt begins to pile on us. God is not the author of guilt. God is the author of freedom, of mercy, of grace. It's not about whether you have followed the checklist. It's about is your heart one in which you really want to know what God has revealed. And there's no formula for that. I can't give you a three-step plan on how to have a humble heart. There's just not one. It doesn't exist. Because those steps will never touch what's going on inside of you. 
oftentimes what I have found is that humility comes through great pain. Humility comes through hurt. Humility comes through failure. That's often where humility comes. We finally get to the end of ourselves and realize I can't do this on my own. And then we finally get to the place where we're able to reach out to God. That's one of the reasons that when Jesus talked about the gospel, he said this is about a message of repentance. Because repentance doesn't come when you're feeling strong. Repentance comes when you're feeling very weak. Humility, there's no formula for that. Hearing from God, there's no formula. But I will tell you that if you're sitting there thinking, I don't know where to get started. I don't know how to change my heart. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Let me just... Let me just kind of ease your minds here and how you can take some steps forward. Number one is this. You can't know the voice of God if you don't spend time listening. Okay? It's very simple. You cannot communicate with your spouse if you don't take time listening. Okay? You can't communicate with your children if you don't take time listening. You can't communicate with your friends if you don't take time listening. We all have that friend who talks all the time. And they never listen to a thing you say. You don't really have a relationship with them. It's those friends that listen that you feel that you have stronger relationships with. John chapter 10, Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. I, I would hate to hear how many times I have prayed to God and have him say this to me personally. But I know it would be a lot. I've already told you this and you did not believe already told you this and you did not believe the works that i do in my father's name bear witness about me but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep now listen to this this is so crucial and for those of you who don't feel like you're a good scholar or you're an academic or you're somebody who's going to read through the original greek and hebrew and aramaic of scripture you're not the kind of person who's going to absorb volumes of concordances and commentaries and all these things that's just not how your brain works then you can rest easy in this verse 27 says my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me i give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand okay Let that sink in. If you need something to marinate when you go out of here, you are not among my sheep is why you don't hear. They hear my voice. How do you hear his voice? You begin with general revelation, specific revelation, getting into God's word. How can we we possibly hear a, a specific message outside of God's word if we haven't already taken time to absorb the word he's given us? And if we do that and we take the time to read, it says not only do they hear my voice and I know them, they follow me. There is a component of obedience to when we do hear what God has revealed to us. You see, a good Christian is not one that does everything right because there is no one who does everything right. But a growing Christian is the one who, when they are exposed to truth, want to make that a part of their life. You can't know the voice of God if you don't spend time listening. This is one of the hard truths for us to absorb. If I've gone weeks, months, whatever, and I've not been listening, 
it's going to be hard for me to hear something when I need it most. Also, you can't know the voice of God if you consistently choose to ignore Him. 1 Samuel 15, Samuel said, Has the Lord, excuse me, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. Literally, you may not be the best at anything you do, but if you're obeying, God is so very pleased with you. You may make so many mistakes in life that it's just ridiculous. And yet, if you're obeying God as you realize what He has revealed, God is so very pleased with you. You may have such a history that it is the most dark, bleak, ugly history ever. And yet, if you are seeing how God has revealed Himself and you are obeying Him, God is so very pleased pleased with you see when you walk out of this room if you recognize there are places where god has said this is a a part of your life that i want you to move away from this is i don't want you here anymore and you have resisted that over and over and over again understand this if you want to hear god's voice obey because god is so very very pleased with you What I'm so thankful for and that God's graciousness is that he has not expected me to be perfect or it's every time that that I act that that I can, you know, quote scripture, even though that's often how Jesus responded to hardship. It's the heart in which we approach him and what he has said and our willingness to obey. How many of you as parents, when your children and you've instructed them They may not have fulfilled your instructions perfectly, but they did to the best of their ability and they obeyed and you were so very, very pleased with them. God is so very pleased with us when we seek to obey Him. You know, I know people who are just, they have incredible minds, incredible brains, they absorb information, they speak so eloquently and I mean, they just know so much stuff. I just feel like an idiot when I'm in the room with them. And yet I am so thankful that God does not make that the standard in which he will be pleased with me. Because if we seek to obey, he opens up what he wants to reveal. It's not rocket science. You don't have to be the perfect Christian. You don't have to have grown up in the church your entire life. That's what's so wonderful about God's invitation to know him. To obey is better than sacrifice. And lastly, I want you to know this from the bottom of my heart. As someone who constantly has to ask for forgiveness, who constantly has to turn back to God and say, God, you know, you said this was not the way to go and I did it anyways. As someone who could spend more time in absorbing God's Word than I do, because pastors have that problem sometimes too. As someone that could very easily be disqualified if God made a checklist of the perfect Christian. God has chosen to reveal Himself to those who are humble and they want to hear. To those God is consistently revealing Himself. So it may not be that you've got to buy another Bible version, or you've got to read five more chapters a day. 
It may come down simply to do we really want to hear. And I promise you, God will speak to you. The Bible is so crucial for us in the growth of our faith and for the gospel that's spread out into this world. You and I need to be at a place whenever we're out because Christianity is so abused in so many places. We need to be at a place where we are clear in our understanding of what God has said and what God has revealed and that while others may reveal something opposite of what God has said, we must know that in our lives that we are revealing truth as God has revealed to us. It's crucial. It's not optional. But God is consistently speaking to those who want to hear. So as has been called upon in countless number of services and traditions and churches and places around the world, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Would you pray with me? Father, God, I pray that you would help us in our not just our own study, but in the application of that study to our lives. Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom when we need it, that we would recognize truth from error in the world around us, and that as we speak and as we share with those that we love and those that have an opportunity to know you for the first time, I pray that you would help us to recall all that you revealed to us. Father, I know that there are some in the room and There is something so pressing on their hearts, so pressing on their minds that they can't think of anything else. And I pray that you would give them the grace to hear your voice. Father, as we come into your word, as we study it, as we sing it, as we meditate on it, I pray that you would open our minds and open our hearts to understand. Father, I pray that you would give us the opportunity to not just grow, but to continue to grow deeper. Gosh, I thank you for your graciousness and your love, your your mercy and your grace. I thank you for all that you have done so that we can know who you are and walk with you in this life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.